Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. get this turned down what's going on everybody it's your boy a double and you're now tuned into episode 158 of do rags and boat shoes i had to pause a little bit on that because it's been a minute it's been a couple weeks a little bit of a vacation uh from the podcast hopefully you guys been good been well um you know i appreciate you guys sharing the episodes and making it do what it do and checking in through email if you guys have any questions comments or feedback um you know, you always can email the show at doragsandboatshoes at gmail.com. Again, that's doragsandboatshoes at gmail.com. So I appreciate the love and respect. Everybody telling me that they're sharing the episodes and things like that. And they want me to do uh, interviews, go back to doing interviews and things like that. So I might uh, start up like a fall series um, when I start having some co-hosts and some um, and, you know, do some interviews and things like that. So if you know anybody in uh the omaha area or black omaha who want to do an interview um to come through to the studio or something like that and uh sit down and uh chop up game with me uh just shoot me an email at do rags and boat shoes at gmail.com or uh hit me up on facebook at uh do rags and boat shoes and make sure you like the page the page be doing numbers like as far as engagements and shit like that but i don't have that many likes on the page so make sure you like it i know a lot of us don't fuck with facebook like that because it's a fed book um but still make sure you like the page um like the engagements be crazy but barely anybody likes the page but uh, i don't really give a fuck about that just uh keep on sharing um and uh yeah just keep on sharing and telling people about the show and uh, i appreciate y'all doing that so um just a little bit of a hiatus just busy working um and busy working on the house and doing you know home improvement projects and things of that sort so it ain't really nothing too crazy going on so hopefully you guys wouldn't worried about me um but i'm good like i said it's just been a lot of busy work a lot of physical work going on these past few weeks and uh you know just coming home and just passing out or and then waking up working on things around the house and things like that and just um you know i kind of neglected the show a little bit so i apologize for that but i'm back so let's go ahead and get started on that good old summer damn jam screen let's um so that last episode 157 i talked about the young man uh cj pearson getting his uh wake up call i believe that was 157 let me go ahead and check some notes here yeah yeah that was 157 so uh 150 so we're on 158 right now let's talk about this kyle kashu guy uh so remember this was a guy uh from the parkland shooting who kind of went far right um you know after the shooting and you know he was uh against gun control and shit like that you know he was on the conservative side crossing over to the far right then you know um some uh some social media posts you know came out with him using the the n-word left and right you know just niggering it up uh you know just typing out you know with the hard er on it and shit like that and um 
he so basically what's going on on Twitter right now is that he got um you know Harvard withdrew his uh, application or his admittance or whatever to Harvard and uh, so he's you know he typing out this long apology explaining and shit like that and so the actual n-word not the word nigger but n-word was uh trending on Twitter for the past couple days has been trending and uh i'm gonna tell y'all something black folks um stop explaining the pain behind the word nigger because these white folks they know it they know exactly what it is right so they out here just explaining i seen a, a post from some guy talking about um if a black kid was talking about uh fuck the police or something like that like a black teenager he would have the same reaction at the it's just a mistake and it's just a kid so you telling me fuck the police is the same as nigger but okay um so it's just these illogical leaps and i, I see black folks really trying to make a uh, logical sense of uh you know trying to talk some sense into these white folks let me tell you something racism white supremacy is the most illogical system on this planet it doesn't make any sense just as long as they stay in power just as long as uh they stay in power and things are justified by these white supremacists white extremists and i'm not speaking on all white folks i'm just speaking about white supremacists and white extremists and bigots and so on and so forth uh the system is illogical um it doesn't make any sense it is it, it's, it's the dumbest shit ever right you know it's one of those things where um like if you just there's different examples like how they used to call um our ancestors who were enslaved they used to call them lazy so you telling me motherfuckers that's working you know 16 hours a day sun up to sundown you know 14 to 16 hours a day is lazy you see what i'm saying and they call us lazy left and right but at the same time we're taking all the jobs with affirmative action like how does that work how are we taking all the jobs and we're on welfare and we're lazy like it doesn't make any sense it never makes fucking sense and i see black folks online just splaining 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 to these white folks and going into debates and shit like that it's it's a time it's like the brother Tariq says it's a time wasting tactic just to keep racism white supremacy you know afloat and at the top you know it keeps you focused off the real problem which is racism white supremacy even though you're just debating online and how do you fight racism white supremacy well you fight it with justice and you know uh, america respects two things money and violence we know that so you know a lot of us don't want to you know risk the jail time and shit like that you know having a violent revolt so you need to have an economic revolt you know what i'm saying as far as getting your money right and then getting the political game right so we can create a system to reward and punish those in the uh, dominant society who practice racism white supremacy right so you need to create a a system of a, a system to reward or punish by practicing economics right getting your money right and you know buying off politicians we know that and so what we're witnessing uh right now with this kashuv thing is um you know like i said uh there okay let me go back racism white supremacy it makes no sense it's just illogical and we see that as black folks and then i see some others too um you know other uh non-whites um you know trying to speak sense into it and it's just it's a it's a whole last waste of time 
um it's one of those things where it's just uh it's just bullshit rhetoric that's all it is it's just bullshit rhetoric and it's just you know we see it and we have to we try to make sense of it you know we're trying to make sense of it like this doesn't make any fucking sense at all like the guy guy comparing fuck the police to the word nigger you know what i'm saying and then of course we have to bring in black popular culture into it with us saying nigga and um you know rap music because that's what influenced kyle kashu that's according to a lot of conservatives and white folks and bigots right so it's always that then we can even go back to the don imus situation when he called those young ladies nappy-headed hoes right so then the discussion turned into the black folks using the n-word uh black men disrespecting black women via rap music and pop culture it always goes and blames the largest victim of racism white supremacy that's what it breaks down to so like don imus was fucking listening to some nwa on the way to the radio station right like don imus ain't been you know a bigot his whole goddamn life you know what i'm saying and that's what's crazy to me is uh it's the same old fucking tactics when a white person does something bigoted and it comes to the mainstream it always boils down to black pop popular it always boils down to blaming black popular culture and the n-word it always boils down to that and it's just it's just it's just a fucking smoke screen that's what it is it's a smoke screen because once you start focusing on racism white supremacy it always comes back to starts blaming you for being you know for influencing the system of something of that source right and it just it does and what i'm saying right it don't make any sense right that excuse makes no fucking sense right so even if this kyle guy was listening to you know rap music where they drop in the word nigga he was using it with the hard er in a strong racist terms and he even said in one of his um you know one of the leaked chats that he's so good at typing the word nigger like he just had a whole just fucking uh message that was just the n-word over and over with a bunch of e's a bunch of r's in it, and a bunch of g's in it and shit and so you know and white folks they can see the humanity in their own right so when a black child you know is uh you know shoplifting or um gets into an altercation with law enforcement is a is a victim of a state sanctioned violence you know by a, a race soldier you know they always call the um the child a man or a woman right even though it'll be a teenager it'll be a 15 16 year old teenager and they'll call it a man right and then they'll always um try to pull up you know um you know there's some kind of a rap sheet if they can't find a rap sheet on the uh the teenager they'll try to even go as far as trying to find a relative the mother or the father saying that they were you know convicted of domestic violence or something like that or they had a shoplifting charge back in 89 or some shit like that when the parent you know was a fucking you know early 20s or some shit like that you know what i'm saying so the system just doesn't make sense and it's cringeworthy to me and i'm just going to say to me to see black folks um you know going back and forth with these white supremacists trying to um 
you know make sense of the illogical tweets and facebook statuses that these and these instagram posts that these bigots are making right because the whole system of racism white supremacy makes no sense right so it's all based off of lies it's based off deception it's based off of uh you know just ill tactics to keep non-whites on the bottom that's what it boils down to right it just makes no fucking sense at all and so we online trying to make sense of it and you know racking our brains and shit like that then we, we should just be focused on economic development and in and, and engaging in this political party system and changing trying to change the system from within all right but i'm gonna tell you this if somebody play, puts their fucking hands on you you have a god-given right to defend yourself right it goes back to what our parents told us as a kid what they tell us somebody put their hands on you you know you have the right to fight back my mama used to say you try to you try to stump them she didn't say stump a mud hole and she said you try to put them in the ground and i i don't think my mama meant that i need to be killing kids out here as a child but i need to be beating the shit out of somebody they put their hands on me and i always stuck by that law even as an adult right so um but that's that's just my thoughts on this whole kyle kashuv thing it always boils down to um like just take away from this the system doesn't make sense all right that's the first thing right and don't fall for the blaming black popular culture thing don't fall for that at all what we really need to be doing um with this whole situation is just kind of figuring out where are these white kids getting radicalized at i know um nilly fuller um the great critical thinker on race theory he always talks about how um a lot of white um suspected white supremacists um you know when they're teens when they're kids and you know growing up you know it's it's just kind of pure and you know they have black friends they have brown friends you know things like that they have non-white friends but once they get about 15 16 they kind of get that that talk you know from a from a racist grandma from a granddad or something they kind of let them know what it is you know you need to stop hanging around them niggers so much and you know kind of hang around your own kind you know you can talk and do shit like that at school but don't hang around them you know and then you and i said this many times before i've witnessed that's here because even though omaha is very segregated the schools are very integrated right the public schools are and so you know you have a you know a couple white friends growing up you know and y'all pretty much the best of friends going over each other's houses and shit you know coming over to hoop or playing football you know and shit like that and then you know once you get about 16 17 junior year and senior year of high school they just kind of you know they just kind of see you in the halls and say what's up and you know they hanging out with a different group of you know just all white folks and shit like that so that's when you start knowing that they got that little talk you know and they start realizing that there's a certain social hierarchy going on here right so they get that little talk and you know then shit kind of moves like that um but we really need to start figuring out where the fuck these kids are getting radicalized from and just um how do we solve this problem you know of just having these 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 white males well, i'm gonna just say white teenagers just out here just wilding like that i mean shit i mean you look you even look at the um the parkland shooter because this this kyle kid went to the parkland school he was a 
fucking bigot himself. You know what I'm saying? Hardcore bigot with his crazy ass. You know, that's just crazy. And then, I mean, you go back and look at Dylan Roof. May that piece of shit burn in hell once they execute him. We're on, what, the two-year anniversary or whatever of, uh, you know, of the, uh, the, the people, uh, the, the nine folks that got murdered in that church from his uh, bigoted ass. Like, it's just, like, what the fuck is happening, right? And then there was a... There's a thing floating around right now. There was a, some kind of active shooter in a in a at a courthouse somewhere, but he I think he took his own life or some shit. Some army vet. It's just what the fuck is going on, and why won't the FBI step up to the plate? Why won't they step up to the plate? If they can create black identity extremists. Why the fuck aren't they? investigating white identity extremists what are they doing with these white supremacist groups right what the fuck is going on and i'll tell you exactly what it is they see the humanity in these fucking psychopaths that's what it is that's what it boils down to because you know the majority of the fbi is caucasian so they see another caucasian male just like oh this is a lone wolf he's just kind of fed up but we're just having too many instances of this bullshit going on right so this is what's happening here. So then, you know, then you go back to this Kyle Kashuv thing. You see all these people defending him. Oh, he's just a kid and all this other shit. Well, you look at these, the Parkland shooter, uh, the Charlottesville uh, the shooter, and the shooter uh, Dylan Roof. It was just fucking kids or teenagers. You know what I'm saying? Radicalized. It's just something is going on. And it's like, and black, you know, black folks can relate to this who game online. If you play any game online, you know, against somebody across the country, you know, you get on there and you just say, what's up to the room or some shit. It's always some fucking 11, 12 year old little punk. You sound like a nigger. You know, it's just some shit like that. Or they'll have some kind of racist ass screen tag name or just saying just racist ass shit all through and through. And you just like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with you? It just feels like anti-black racism is the pop culture of white supremacist society you know or i even go as far as white society in the dominant society it's just anti-black racism is just the cool thing to do and it's fucking sickening it is it's sickening it's fucking disgusting so i don't share i don't shed any fucking thug tear for this kyle kashuv guy talking about he made a mistake and i guarantee you if those chats didn't leak, we wouldn't hear shit about it. And he'd be on his way to Harvard. And he'd be on his way to uh, imp being in, being some kind of policymaker or some, you know, big wig at a company practicing anti-black racism. You know, either through policies or uh, policies on the job or laws. You know, getting into um, the government. It's just it's just like a cesspool. It's just a fucking breeding factory. And I mean, you guys can think I'm talking crazy all day long, but I'm not. Racism, white supremacy is a fucking cancer to the whole globe, to everybody on the fucking planet. Could you imagine just waking up and just thanking God that you ain't black? Like, could you just like like black folks like picture that just picture you got so much fucking hate in your heart that you would do anything in your power to you know to keep another group down like i can't fathom that 
I cannot fathom that. You know how sick that would make me, you know, worrying about another group. You know what I'm saying? Coming up in the world, worrying about a different race of people doing their thing. You know how much of a fucking hater you have to be to be thinking like that? And I know it's some bigot sitting in a trailer park right now. Ain't got two nickels to rub together waiting on an EBT card to get reloaded at the top of the month in July. And they if they and a genie popped up today and the genie been like, I can grant you any three wishes you want, but you would have to be black. I bet you they tell that genie to get his blue ass the fuck up out they trailer park. Cause that's just what some of these all these folks have is whiteness. That's it. That's it. It's it and it's it's I just couldn't I can't fathom just hating a group of people so much. I just I cannot fathom that. I just it's just so disgusting to me. And I say that it's a global cancer because eventually it turns on itself. It 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 impacts blacks the most, right? then it just keeps on going down the line and then like i said in numerous podcasts before with racism white supremacy if it were to be like some kind of global extinction of non-black or uh, non-white you know across the globe and there's just white folks left they turn on each fucking other i mean you seen what happened at the uh the unite the right rally you know they fuck they fucking killed you know, a, uh, a white woman, Heather Heyer, may she rest in peace, because she was out there protesting against these guys, right? Like, it turns on itself. It does. It just turns on its fucking self. And then after that happened, you've seen all these white extremists and uh, white supremacists were like button heads and like, oh, no, we don't need to be like this and shit. And they start fighting with each other, having a little bullshit ass civil war. But that's just what it boils down to. And I'm listening to a book right now called White Trash. And it's about, um, it's basically about uh, just classism and uh, poor white folks just through the centuries. Like before, uh, you know, uh, elite whites were calling uh, poor whites white trash. They used to call them waste people. That's what they did. They used to call them waste people. And they had a quote from Benjamin Benjamin Franklin. And I can't say um, say it exactly. Uh, but he was talking about in some kind of document or manifesto or whatever. He was uh, speaking about how, um, how waste people were just, you know, um, pretty much just a, they were lazier than slaves or something like that. And he was talking about how um you could breed a slave to uh basically you know be integrated into american culture and shit like that uh but waste people you couldn't do that with um because they think that they're you know a regular white person and shit like that it's a very fascinating book it's a, it's kind of dry but just to see just you know how the elites kind of just the so-called elites i'm gonna call them that just kind of look down on poor whites but they need the numbers you know and just to kind of make them feel like they're better than everybody it's kind of like how they said they would hire um poor white folks to be overseers on the plantation and shit like that just to kind of keep them in check and uh to make them feel like they're important but they were just some of the laziest people ever um this is a fascinating book it's called white trash and it just breaks down the history of 
you know, uh, poor white folks and uh, just things like that. And it was talking about how uh, when the first, uh, you know, folks from, you know, uh, England came over to the colonies and shit like that. And uh, before the bright idea of slavery, they were talking about just how they would just sit around and not do shit. Like a lot of the, the waste people would just sit around and not do shit. And that they all looked alike and shit like that and inbred it. It's, it's, a, it's very odd, but it's just one of them things that I can't put down the book. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, um, I just want black folks to stop wasting their time. Stop wasting your time trying to explain because uh, like I said the, the system of racism white supremacy it makes no fucking sense none it's illogical um, it's based off of deception so quit trying to make sense of it right alright so moving on uh, cops are bigots <laughs> um, this ain't nothing new but I'm seeing a lot of folks um, and I ain't talking about black folks but I'm talking about like mainstream white folks post these uh, BuzzFeed articles uh, they ran an article uh, that highlighted the findings of a database that kept track of about 3,000 officers, um, 600 retired officers, and their conduct on social media. And the st study concluded that about one in five officers of the 2,900 and two out of five of the uh, 600 retired officers posted or shared racist imagery, sexist memes, or anti-Muslim propaganda. So everyone in the so-called mainstream media is talking about this Plainview project. So that's who BuzzFeed teamed up with. Um, that's who, well, they didn't team up with them, but they kind of wrote an article highlighting the Plainview project. But we all know that black folks have been the canary in the coal mine for centuries, telling the rest of y'all how corrupt those in law enforcement are and we've been dealing with these devils since the 1700s, since they were just called patty rollers back then. You know, hell, slave patrols, state patrols, the same damn thing. And that, I think that's what's frustrating to me. People keep posting that article like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And it's just like, but we've been telling you this for years. The fucking invisible empire is fucking real. If you don't know what the invisible empire is, it's basically when the Klan was... Uh, the Klan, white, white supremacists and white extremists just figured, well, okay, let's take off these hoods, let's take off this, this racist imagery and shit like that, and let's start becoming lawyers, judges, police officers, state troopers and shit like that, and get into politics too. That's basically what it boils down to. It's kind of like, for my Marvel fans, it's like Hydra. You know what I'm saying? Like Hydra infiltrated all of the fucking government and you know different uh the law enforcement agencies and shit like that and that's what it's based off the invisible empire it's fucking real and uh so this ain't nothing new um i mean the feds told us back in the early 2000s how white extremists and white supremacists infiltrated law enforcement um so buzzfeed and the Plainview project are you know contacting the officers precincts and for the same song and dance you know we're investigating the matter uh you know just bullshit like that and that's that's one of the main things that i hate uh about internal affairs is the police police and the police like what the get the fuck out of here all right we need an independent agency on a federal level that will investigate and punish those in law enforcement who terrorize the citizens the evidence is there the money is there hell 
I remember when in Omaha we had an independent police auditor. I, some of y'all might be too young to uh, remember that, but the city council created the public safety uh, auditor. They created that back in 2000. And uh, some, like I said, some of y'all are too young to remember. Um, but then it was up and running in 2001. Uh, the auditor, she was doing her job and Omahaans felt safe, uh, felt a sense of relief, you know, at that office. Um, because they actually created that um, public safety auditor position back in 2000 because folks just kept on complaining, you know, to internal affairs and uh, to the um, police chief at the time. I don't know if it was Chief Warren, but they kept uh, complaining. It was just like nothing was happening. Cops was shaking folks down left and right. Um, I remember back in this time uh, when I should have... I should have, when the cops shook me down, I should have went to the police auditor, but shit, I was fucking 19, though, and I didn't know any better, I was 18, 19, I didn't know no better, but, um, anyway, I think I told, I already told y'all the story, I was working at Target, and I'm walking home, I just cashed my check, it was a Friday, so I cashed my check on my lunch break, so I had, like, $600 on me, and all cash, or whatever, and, uh, luckily, I kept my paycheck stub on me, and, a uh, fucking G-Unit rolled up on me, and just started patting me down, like I didn't know my rights or nothing Just started patting me down Took the money out and shit like that Like why you got so much money in your pocket and shit like that Here I am with a fucking red shirts and khakis on And a fucking name tag on And they asked me why I got so much money I, like, I just cashed my check And luckily I still had that goddamn paycheck stub on me Cause if I didn't They probably would've just confiscated that shit And sent me on my merry fucking way So I would've lost two weeks worth of pay But anyways Um but, you know, Omahaans in the late 90s uh, were complaining so much to the city council, the police chief, internal affairs and shit like that about police misconduct and uh, things like that. And they wasn't handling it. They weren't doing shit about it. So they created that uh, public safety auditor position. So um, it was running good, a little too good here. Right. And so what the, what the city council, so what did the city council do, right? It was running too smooth, running too efficiently, right? So they cut the funding um, in 2005. But before that, uh, they made, because she was just supposed to investigate, like, uh, police misconduct. But then they started throwing other shit at her, like, oh, check out these, uh, the firefighters and shit like that. Make sure they're doing their job well. And she was complaining that, why you have me looking at this when I can be doing real work? which is you know investigating the police and shit like that right so uh they cut the funding in 2005 right so about four years of it running smoothly and then it became part of the mayor's uh staff as an assistant but like i said um they had her investigating affairs with the fire department and other public safety issues to overwhelm her department and to keep it from really investigating the omaha police department now this woman was fired um shortly after she became part of the uh the mayor's um uh like branch like after they cut the funding in 05 then uh she became part of the mayor's office assistant and she still was kind of investigating a little bit but then she just said fuck it and let the chopper fly she released an 88 page document about police misconduct here in omaha just dropped it just for the public and everybody and uh, how blacks caught hell for uh, minor traffic violations. So Mike, Big Money Faye, who was the mayor at the time, he fired her. And that was the end of the public safety auditor. And that was 13 years ago. 
um so i say that to say this we really do need to police the police we really do and we do need a goddamn federal agency i don't give a fuck about states rights um because when it comes to states rights a lot of times they like to try to create little um racist safe safe havens and shit like that and that's where black folks just be catching hell in a lot of these states especially down south shit everywhere pretty much everywhere let me stop the stop that everywhere black folks are catching hell but we do need a fucking federal agency to police the police and this ain't nothing damn new ain't a damn thing new about these officers posting racist shit online not a damn thing is new um let's see what else is going on uh let's talk about uh sudan for a little bit so let's send some prayers out to the people of sudan who's going through some bullshit right now uh the military council killed over 100 protesters and some bodies were thrown into the nile river um back in april after months of mass protests uh the president omar al-bashir who had ruled over for about 30 years um he finally was ousted okay so the people you know they want to hold an election but you have the transitional military council saying that they should appoint a new leader who has military expertise so this is where the clash is coming on right now um you had protesters out in the streets against the tmc a subgroup of the tmc is called the rapid support forces and uh those are the ones responsible for the killings that you see today the uh, the rapid support uh forces was a part of the uh janjawi and remember that group was responsible for terrorizing the people in darfur uh, a few years back um they're also they out there raping men and women um but the main thing that we need to know is um the whole point of this this state sanctioned terrorist terrorism that's happening out there in sudan is uh to stop the people from fighting for a fair election and choosing a leader that's best for them um so just hopefully i know with the cheeto in chief uh he's not gonna you know have any forces go out there and then the un is pretty much useless you know they have that army there but they never engage in it you know those un troops and a lot of them are corrupt anyway um but so just prayers for them um i will post some links uh, on how you can help uh sudan directly um you know i know a lot of sudanese cats who um you know moved to omaha uh, back when i was in high school and they out here thriving and you know have great jobs and things like that so i know this is hitting them hard so uh, i'll post a link in the show notes on how you guys can get involved and you know donate money and things of that sort um you have to do more than change your profile pic to you know just a blue screen all right um what else can we talk about on that summer damn jam screen man i saw the movie ma (laughs) i saw that shit um let's see i saw what this past friday uh it was my wife's uh birthday weekend it was crazy uh my wife's birthday is what two days apart or a day apart from uh well two days apart from uh, our wedding anniversary and so the whole weekend was about her um so we just did a bunch of shopping 
and things like that and she really wanted to see that movie ma i was just like uh i guess you know but you know i didn't say i guess because it was her weekend so i'm just enthusiastic and just supporting everything that she wants to do because it's her special day right that's what you do um and so we went and seen that movie ma and basically what it's about so it's about these ten, this girl and her mama moved back to a small town they was out in california and the mama grew up in this town and so uh the teenage daughter she's the main character uh she hooked she hooks up with some friends um at, at the school you know meet some friends and they out here you know uh soliciting adults to buy them uh liquor and shit like that and they go drink down by a rock quarry and ma is uh you know this older black lady who's a like a vet tech and she's um her whole thing is uh she's trying to i don't know what the fuck she's doing like you really don't know why she's so crazy until the end but there's gonna be some spoilers in here because the movie was trash i'm gonna tell y'all that right now um i would see it on a bootleg app or something uh octavia spencer she um she did a good job with what she had this movie is geared towards pre-teens and teenagers and maybe drunk 21 year olds okay because the plot was just loose but anyway so she the kids solicit her to buy some booze and then she's just like oh you guys can come hang out at my uh basement so i don't want you guys to get in a wreck or nothing like that out here drinking and driving and shit like that because the whole plot of the movie is she's trying to get revenge ma is trying to get revenge on a guy from high school who like made her suck another dude's dick in the dark and she thought it was the guy that she had a crush on dick but it wasn't so it was like a cruel trick he played on her and i thought it was because she was black but it was because she was nerdy because there was other black people in the town so i thought they was just talking her targeting her because she was black but i guess it was just because she was a dork right and so that's the whole plot so she so she knows that one of these kids was her so-called crushes um son right so that's when she starts plotting and all this other shit and she's getting the kids drunk and she's being like the this cool mom and all this other shit and uh so the movie i think it was rated r because they showed a dick in there and um but it was like so it's like a black dude in a teenage group and then um it's the crush's son and a few more people but once the plot is revealed you know the main girl's like oh we got to stop hanging out at ma's and she's like real creepy and hitting them up on snapchat like hey come drink in my house and they like bitch it's tuesday night like we ain't about to be fucking drinking on a school night like that and so she gets even creepier and starts throwing these house parties for teenagers there and you know and then then uh she kills her crush like because he comes to her he's like man what the fuck my son doing at your uh house you know hanging out and shit like that so he's on to her he's he's suspicious of her uh, because uh they be driving around town in his dad's work truck and it has a um tracker on there so it's always going to her house and he's like what the fuck my son doing there and, you know stay away from my fucking son and all this other shit so she uh she spikes some drinks and knock all the kids out right and there's one black dude in the group so she does all this fucked up shit to these kids so one guy's like an athlete so she just burns him on the stomach while he's passed out with an iron or whatever because he got a good body then this uh white girl who be talking so much shit she she sold her mouth shut that was kind of nasty to watch 
and then uh, she stabbed the crush, her crush's son. She stabbed him, and then she made out with him. That was disturbing to watch Octavia Spencer make out with a teenage boy. Like, I, I don't think the actor is a teenager, but he might be like 18, 19. But that was disturbing to see. That, that was like the scariest part of the movie. <laughs> but she ended up killing her crush, you know, the kid's dad. Like, she was about to chop his dick off, but then she just slit his wrist. And then she put, like, dog blood in his veins or some shit. So he just bled out. But anyways, uh, so she doing all this cruel shit to the kids. And the cruelest shit <laughs> that she could come up with to the black dude, she was like, it's only enough, it's only room for one of us in this group. She takes some white house paint and she painted that nigga's face white. <laughs> so tell me why at the end of the movie, motherfuckers got their stomach burned, you know, with an iron. One bitch got her mouth sewn shut, the little sassy chick, she got her mouth sewn shut. And then uh, one dude got stabbed in the stomach or shot in the stomach, I can't remember. And so they all like outside because like the house burns down, like Ma's daughter ends up like saving them and shit like that. And, uh,. <laughs> <laughs> and the black dude so everybody sitting like this distraught like fuck we in an ambulance black dude just sitting down there with his face painted white looking sad i'm like man you get your dumb ass up off the ground and help the motherfuckers <laughs> like that was the funniest shit to me like i was just cracking up laughing at that scene like that is the funniest scene in the movie everybody outside the house while the house burning down and shit and uh, they out there like in pain and shit. And this motherfucker sitting there like he lost his best friend with white, <laughs> with white house paint on his face. But the movie was trash. The whole movie was just fucking trash. I mean, if y'all see it on Five Dollar Tuesday, shame on you. Just try to watch a bootleg or some shit. It's just terrible. But anyways, uh, did y'all see? Uh, big head ass OJ Simpson is up on Twitter now and I had to hit that follow I had to hit that follow cause I'm like what the fuck is OJ big headed ass gonna do on Twitter I, and folks are just so mad talking about the juices loose and all this other shit and he posted a video answering some questions talking about he didn't dick down Kris Jenner in a hot tub and uh Khloe Kardashian isn't his daughter but I'm gonna tell y'all something go look at uh them pictures before Khloe got uh that work done and uh look at OJ's daughter his real daughter because if you look at them early pictures they both got them big ass long heads and that big ass tall forehead they look they look pretty similar but I ain't saying nothing but the juice is loose on Twitter I think it's the real OJ 32 or something like that and uh man it's just funny as fuck to see so many people mad at oj <laughs> and people are still still mad at him about getting off uh you know having a fair trial i'm gonna say i ain't gonna say get off but having a fair trial back in the early 90s and i think i don't know if i told y'all this story but i remember when oj was found not guilty uh me and my mama was my little brother born yet my baby brother born yet i don't know I, he might have been a, like a baby uh he might have been and we were leaving target on saddle creek target used to be on saddle creek and this is an omaha story so if you don't know where saddle creek is you out of town it's all right it's all it was on saddle creek road and um we were in the parking lot i think we were about to walk over to albertson's or something like like we went to target for something then we're gonna head over to albertson's to um 
get some groceries or something and then get a jitney home or something that was always the the thing on my mama's days off we would do that like on the weekends or something like that um when she got paid so we would do that like get a toy from target or some school supplies or something like a notebook or something you know and or i get an action figure or something or a video game or some shit like that or we would walk over to the blockbuster and grab a game and then grab something to eat for dinner and then get a jitney home a jitney or a cab home but we were walking through the parking lot and i remember it to this day uh we're walking through the parking lot of target and this white woman she just stopped us and was like i don't think oj did it like she had the most white guilt on her i didn't know what to call it at the time but as a kid i was like that's just that's weird and, and i don't know what my mama said i think my mama you know she black as hell she probably was like i know he didn't do it i know she probably said some shit like that but i remember that white woman stopping us and she was like apologizing and saying i know oj didn't do it and shit like that i was like <laughs> just the the weirdest white guilt ever but um yeah so i'm following oj i just want to see what his crazy ass about to do and if y'all think oj killed them folks you are smoking dope because ron goldman he would practice all these different martial arts he had all these defensive wounds on his hands and shit like that and they saying that oj went over there what 20 30 minutes before his flight and he went over there and stabbed them up and then managed to change clothes and make his plane in time so that nigga and they said he wore some bruno mogli shoes so that nigga was out here in a in a what a sweatsuit and some church shoes and he went over there to kill his wife and her lover like come on now come on and how they was uh, deep down in that mezzaluna restaurant that mob ties and shit like that like get the fuck out of here right but you know it's always that one big nigga syndrome you know what i'm saying they just it's just oj represented all black folks you know during that trial you know to the dominant white society that's what it was but uh i somebody edited a goddamn video of oj talking and it was that guy from that sub where he said police help police and i was crying laughing at work when i saw that shit but right now i'm rambling on this goddamn summer damn jam screen so i'm gonna leave it to my man hove hove what you gotta say don't be the next get tested on that summer jam screen i smoke rocks i smoke rocks all right thank you so much tyrone biggums for that lovely intro of selling hope like damn dope let me get my microphone right so I was going to talk about uh, the miniseries When They See Us. I didn't watch it, um, but I know the story of the Central Park Five and those young men and the hell that they had to endure. So I already knew the story about it. And I wasn't going to shit on people who didn't know the story. Um, I'm just glad that story got brought to light. Um, what I was going to talk about is just how, you know, the miniseries was getting, you know, that prosecutor up out the paint. But today is the 19th and it's a Wednesday and they had that hearing today um, to establish a commission on reparations. Um, so people were like applauding and like, oh yeah, we're this is the first step into actually, you know, getting reparations and things of that sort. Um, but it's actually a hearing on a bill to establish a commission on reparations, okay? to establish a commission on reparations so you had like ta-nehisi coates um you had danny glover you had um 
some Puerto Rican cat on there um, talking about how black folks don't need reparations. And I don't know why they had this Puerto Rican cat on there. He was like half black, half Puerto Rican. And the brother Tariq, uh, Nasheed posted a, a, a video of him doing an interview uh, from some years ago. And he was talking about how it's more beneficial, more social currency or clout, which you, or so to speak, um, to actually, uh, you know, just say that he's black instead of, you know, saying that he's a half and half or some shit like that. Um, so it was fascinating to me to see that brother's clip talking about, you know, how blacks need better schools health care jobs and shit like that but they don't need reparations from slavery from 200 years ago and i'm just like oh my god like who like why were they getting these people to speak like i don't understand danny glover being up there i understand tanahasi coast being up there because he wrote an amazing article about the case for reparations um, but I didn't understand the other one. The guy name is uh, Coleman Cruz Hughes. That's his name. The, the, the black guy that was speaking against reparations, which was weird as fuck. Um, I just, I don't know why they had him up there speaking. That's what I'm trying to figure out. And then, and then this was fascinating to me. Bernie Sanders, uh, silly ass, because I used to rock with Bernie Tough. Y'all remember one of my very first episodes, I did an expose, not an expose, but um, I took a bunch of notes. I went to a Bernie rally um, here in the metropolitan area. It was actually across the bridge in Council Tucky. I went over there and, um, you know, listened to what he had to say, and he was kicking some good game. You know, he was kicking some good shit. And then I stopped when he started talking about that reparations was too divisive okay so and he, he he was sticking to his guns on that now that the grassroots you know thanks to uh the brother tone and um vet carnell and uh the brother uh Tariq, uh since they really you know started getting that grassroots you know getting it going and moving and people are actually like bringing that to the forefront and asking you know questions like yo uh, or not even asking but demanding you know they that these democratic candidates um speak about reparations and address the issue the issues that face and hinder uh black americans specifically foundational black americans or american descendants of slaves right and so now since it's in the public lexicon, since it's at the forefront, since people are calling out racism, white supremacy, and uh, you know, speaking about the injustices that face black folks, like we're just, it's constantly being brought up in reparations, the word reparations is being brought up. Now all of a sudden, Bernie Sanders had the audacity, or his uh, social media team had an audacity to send out a tweet. Let me pull this goddamn tweet up. Um, it says, I'm proud to celebrate Juneteenth and, you know, shout out to everybody. Happy Juneteenth. This is our Black Independence Day. Um, he said, I'm proud to celebrate Juneteenth with Mr. Danny Glover. That's the hat. That's uh, uh, Danny's tag. He said this year's holiday takes on special significance because of today's house hearing on H.R. 40. And that's the bill to actually get a commission to study reparations. Uh, to study the impacts of slavery, we must come to terms with slavery's horrors and how they affect every aspect of our lives today. Get the fuck out of here. Now, all of a sudden, since it's in the public lexicon and shit like that, like Bernie could have been leading the wave. 
You know what I'm saying? Black folks would have been right behind him and we would have ushered him right on into the White House. If he would have any candidate, any candidate, black folks, the tens of millions of us registered to vote, we would have put that man up on our shoulders and carried his ass right to the uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Would have took him right there. You know what I'm saying? And that's what rubbed me the fucking wrong way. I just was like, God damn. Like, he really had a shot, too, Bernie Sanders, uh, back in, uh, the, the, during the 2016 election. Okay? And, um, that's fascinating to me. But I was just puzzled. Puzzled, puzzled, puzzled. As to why, like, Danny Glover and that, that Cruz guy was there. That was just weird as fuck to me. Like, I felt like they should have had the brother Tone on. He's a goddamn lawyer. Yvette Carnell is very well-spoken, very intelligent woman. Uh, to speak on, you know, reparations and things of that sort. And then did y'all see that clip of Bitch McConnell uh, basically, you know, sounding like a Twitter troll. You know, basically saying that, um, you know, we, we shouldn't. Uh, you know, issue reparations to uh, African-Americans, you know, descendants of slaves, ADOS or foundational black Americans, because uh, what was his reasons? Uh, slavery happened so long ago. Um, they didn't uh, people living today didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, he brought in immigrants. He started talking about immigrants have come to the country. He was like, well, who would get it? You know, uh, because immigrants came to the country and they faced uh, hardships, too. And then he then he threw in, uh, you know, we had a black president. Uh, then he threw in the civil rights bill. You know, the typical uh, shit that, okay, niggers, we gave you this. You know what I'm saying? That This is what it is. And then tried to group us in with immigrants who willingly came to this country to build a better life from the home that they came from. You see what I'm saying? Coming to the land of milk and honey, the melting pot, to get some of this free wealth. You know what I'm saying? Some of this easy wealth that was built off the backs of slaves, right? And uh, what's fascinating to me is uh, everybody, when you speak on reparations, everybody keeps talking about slavery, but we're not talking about the black codes. We're not talking about redlining. We're not talking about the benign neglect policies. We're not talking about this state-sanctioned violence and these race soldiers who are pretending to be cops. We don't talk about the invisible empire. How many stories have I given y'all about cops coming out and actually being a part of some racist-ass group? You know, some white supremacist group. We don't talk about that, right? We never speak on shit like that. We don't talk about the, the lynchings of thousands of black folks you know in the early 1900s we don't talk about any of that shit we don't talk about jim crow right this that's what the reparations is about it's about everything from slavery up until you know these racist ass federal policies like the 94 crime bill that locked up so many black men in waves the the uh the difference between powder cocaine and rock cocaine you know what i'm saying those harsher sentences on brothers like that and then how many brothers are sitting in the pen right now, you know, for uh, weed related charges in states that now have legalized weed. We don't talk about convict leasing. You know, the only thing that they want to go back to is try to, uh, you know, critics of reparations is talk about uh, slavery. Well, it was so long ago. It was so long ago. It was because that's the only thing they can hinder. They can hold their hat, try to hang their hat on to. Right. They don't talk about the generational effects of slavery. 
right? They don't want to acknowledge that. And I told you back in the Summer Jam screen, racism, white supremacy makes no damn sense. Like you look at bitch McConnell, the, the oldest Ninja Turtle there is, he's out here talking about immigrants. He's bringing immigrants into the mix. It's like, oh, now you call, you care about immigrants because black Americans are now demanding reparations. So you're trying to group us in with them like you're like this administration that you're a part of. Don't like you, this fucking government. Don't give a fuck about immigrants. We see what's happening to them little brown kids in them cages and being separated from their parents and shit like that and dying in some of these concentration camps. Like, that's just low. Like, racism, white supremacy will stoop to the lowest of the lowest levels to undermine and to keep up anti-black policies. That's what it that's what it boils down to. But the brother, um, the brother Tariq, he laid out a, a fascinating thread, a fascinating thread. And um, just basically breaking down how people be bullshitting about reparations. And let me read this Twitter thread. I know some people are, you know, they just, they be on that bullshit like, oh, he's a misogynist and he's a misogynoir and all this other shit. And they try to shit on this brother. But this is a very, very intelligent hustler right here. Very intelligent street dude right right here. I gravitate towards Tariq because he reminds me of a lot of the guys who, you know, showed me the way, you know, running around in these streets, running around a different basketball course, hooping with them and shit like that shooting CeeLo with them, which is shooting dice, and, uh, you know, just trying to be a grown man when I was a teen, you know what I'm saying, and getting the game from them, so, um, this Twitter thread, and I'll, I'll post a, a link to it, um, the first thing, it, it basically poses all these questions, you know, that, uh, non-blacks will start proposing and trying to shame on you because this reparations is becoming is coming to the mainstream is coming to the public lexicon right so the first one is i never owned slaves so i'm not responsible so you respond to that he says slavery was sanctioned by the federal government and all those under the government profited from free black labor so the same government and its subjects owe black people for the free labor that accumulated all the wealth today all right what's another one uh i'm irish so in my old reparations and i broke this down Ooh, this may be about two years ago i broke this down and there was a fascinating article that uh you know broke that down too when people when you start talking about slavery and the impact of slavery then the irish person come in i was uh, i was a slave what about the irish slaves and the brother Tariq tweeted he said irish indentured servants already received two forms of reparations one was freedom dues and that's true it was land and it was money and land and the second was all the tangible benefits that came with the first affirmative action program called white supremacy and that's true white supremacy is the biggest socialist program there is it's global and it benefits all white people uh how would you determine uh, how would we determine who is qualified for reparations? Simple, foundational black Americans who can trace a direct ancestor to slavery. This is relatively easy. If your ancestor was enslaved, most likely you will find them or their descendants on the 1870 census. All right. Uh, why am I responsible for the sins of my forefathers? Your ancestors profited for their sins and the profits for those sins were passed down generationally to you. Uh, those prophets have been racially locked into the dominant society away from the descendants of slaves. And that's true. That's what being a conservative is all about. It's just locking up 
uh, you know, keeping your so-called dollar. They try to uh, frame it like that, but it's just pretty much hoarding all the land, money, other resources for a specific group. All right. And then the next one, how will we distribute payments for reparations? The same way you distribute payments to Native American tribes on a regular basis. And um, to tack on to that, remember when I talked about in, in a show, I don't know, this is maybe last year when I was talking about how uh, former President Barack Obama, when he made that stimulus package, he actually earmarked, uh, what was it, a billion dollars, something like that to uh, Native tribes, okay? But, you know, President, former President Barack Obama, he wasn't the president of, of uh, black Americans. He's a, the president of all America. Motherfucker. All right. And then what's, what's another one he, he put in his thread? He said, what about immigrant group, immigrant groups who came over after slavery who were mistreated? And it's the same shit I'll be saying. They came here voluntarily and they have zero to do with debt that's owed to black Americans. Immigrant immigrant groups came here to enjoy the wealth that was already generated from free black labor. Here's a here's a good one. There are no slaves alive today. In order to justify American slavery, a culture of vile anti-black racism was created and placed into all areas of activity. That systemic, uh, systematic culture has been passed down today and it has magnified into genocidal proportions at this point. And that's true. And slavery was so long ago, why are we worrying about ancient history? One of the last black American slaves who, was verif who has verifiable documents that he was sold to plantation owners before the Civil War was a man named Sylvester McGee who died in 1971. And here's a good one. You always see this one. Why should my tax dollars pay for something I didn't do? And then the brother Tariq said, I didn't put Japanese people in internment camps, but my tax dollars uh, went to paying them. I didn't destroy the World Trade Center, but my tax dollars went to pay 9-11 victims. So tax dollars should be used to compensate us. And that's true. Uh, the Civil War was reparations. Northern whites started randomly killing black people, the draft riots. Uh, when the Civil War was announced and Union soldiers killed thousands of black people after the Civil War in a concentration camp in Natchez, uh, Mississippi. So we need three payments. And this is the big one right here. Uh, reparations talk will make white people uncomfortable. Guess what else is uncomfortable? Slavery, Jim Crow, lynching, gentrification, racial mass incarceration, state sanctioned police and white vigilante murders. So our compensation isn't contingent upon your feelings. And that's the truth. I don't want. Um, and that's a great thread, by the way. Great thread. Fascinating thread. I don't want black folks to be embarrassed, uh, to feel ashamed, um, to lobby for reparations because you know white folks will come around you talking about oh just pull yourself up by your bootstraps oh you you don't that's just a handout it's just welfare okay and uh and the, the whole thing it, it's you know your, your white friends might get uncomfortable and shit like that that's okay you've been dealing with racism white supremacy your whole damn life you've been uncomfortable your whole damn life and they will be a-okay they will be just fine if they don't want to be your friend they never were your friend in the first place and that's the god's honest truth and you need to quit giving a fuck about how other people feel right when it comes to your situation and growing and expanding and uh you know just 
writing a wrong, the federal government needs to write a wrong, there is nothing wrong with that. Because, I mean, you look at, you want to talk about welfare. I mean, racism, white supremacy is the biggest socialist welfare system there is on the planet. Right? Because if it ain't white, it ain't right. Right? Ain't that the same? So, I don't want anybody to try to shame you and, you know, then you get all mad like, you, you right. I need to just work for mine. You know, I need to just keep on working, you know, and shit like that and puffing up your chest and shit like that. You know what? You you got that mentality. I'll take your check. Go on, give it over here, brother. And then you're going to have Negroes who are scared, who are very fearful. They always come out the woodworks. Um, when you're having this reparations conversation, man, we ain't gonna do nothing but buy Jordans and gold chains and rims and stuff like that. Man, we ain't even gonna do nothing with it. This fruitful, you know, shit like that. That's that dusty nigga talk. You know, that that's a nigga that's scared. That nigga is in, living in fear. That nigga is scared for his life. If he had a check cut to him today for two hundred fifty thousand dollars, that nigga would be scared. That nigga wouldn't know what to do with it. And you know what? For them Negroes like that, like I said, just go and give me that check. Go and just, you know, forge it on over to A-double. You know, by way of do-rags and boat shoes. I will launder it through this tax ID. You see what I'm saying? So, and it's, and it's I don't understand that thinking when people are just like, oh, we just gonna buy Jordans and gold chains and, you know, get some clean old schools or something like that. It's like, nigga, your situation is fucked up now. So you just want to keep being in a fucked up situation? There's going to be millions of black folks who do right things, but it start businesses, start uh, pooling their money and funneling it into the political system so we can have uh, a better shot at justice. Create a system that rewards and punish those. You know what I'm saying? Who who do not practice justice and who practice injustice against us. You know what I'm saying? So there's going to be millions of us who, who do the right thing. And I don't give a fuck what you do with your money. I don't care. You can go out and buy every pair of Jordans that ever came out. Go ahead. That makes you happy. That makes you happy. Right? But some of us are going to start funneling our money into a political system, create our own political party. You know, that's all about seeking justice. You know, get some of these, get get some of this, these members of this invisible empire about the paint. That's what it's all about. That's what it boils down to. So I just never understood that mentality. So don't let anybody try to shame you into, you know, not going for yours what is old so don't just think about this reparations thing as just slavery you have to think about all these racist policies against you leading all the way up to the crime bill that's locked up so many of our brothers uncles fathers cousins friends big homies ogs you know them damn gang sweeps you know hitting hitting gang members with the rico just because you know they all got on the same color it's a criminal organization you know you could be on the block rocking a goddamn orange orange uh t-shirt from orange leaf the frozen yogurt place and there's another gang called the the reese's peanut butter cup gang and just because they wear orange and brown you coming home from work from orange leaf working a damn 10-hour shift because somebody done called in you know 
you working from the door open to the door closed and then you get sweeped up because one of the Reese's peanut butter gangs ran up on the Red Bull gang who wear blue and silver and somebody got poked in the shin. Now all of a sudden everybody that wear orange is getting swept up in a Rico. So now you're doing 15 years, you know, for a nigga getting stabbed in his shin because he was with the Red Bull gang and uh, the Reese's peanut butter gang wore orange and you had on your orange leaf uniform. You know what I'm saying? So it's just um, so many instances of so many black people suffering injustice. And uh, at the drop of a dime, any one of us, it, that, that black skin color is your uniform. So any one of us could be, you know, just thrown to the wolves and won't shit happen. You know, so at least, you know, with this reparations talk, uh, you know, I just feel like it's a bunch of smoke and mirrors. But if, if this commission gets uh, so-called, um, you know, get the green light or some shit like that, uh, black folks going to have to stay on their ass. Like, what are you doing? And just keep it up in the lexicon. Just keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it at the forefront of popular culture. Um, because uh, black pop culture, is it really makes America move. It does. It does. It's the shit. It's the foundation, you know, of this country. Pretty much. It is. I be getting text messages or uh, email alerts. Not email alerts, but notifications. There's so much shit going on in my phone. And uh, they be using the word lit now. In a drip. I've got one from Champs. Uh, Champs Sports, you know, the sneaker uh, store. And the... Uh, I was just like, God damn, like y'all use y'all really using drip? Like it's just so much shit that we do that pushes the culture forward, American culture forward, and makes us, you know, the coolest beings walking the fucking planet. You know what I'm saying? So it's very underappreciated. Very underappreciated. But the fact of the matter is with this selling hope like dope, uh, this feels like a smoke screen with this HR forty bullshit is like we got to get a commission to study it and then we'll bring up the case to reparations to the house and the senate and shit like that but what is funny is the un has already studied reparations for black americans i talked about this probably in the first season of the podcast like the very first year they did ran a story on that and they concluded that black folks need to be cut a check they really do so this hr 40 nonsense it, it really is selling hope like dope it's one of those things that's symbolic and you know i feel like a lot of those people up there started getting up there talking about their feelings and you know trying to get that pain out and then once you get that pain out you feel good and don't do shit afterwards uh that's what happens at a lot of times at these rallies that's why i stopped going to these protests in march marches you feel good and shit like that and then you just go back to you know your regular ass life you ain't fighting a good fight anymore you know what I'm saying? You didn't hoot and hollered and sweat and yelled and people didn't high five, dapped each other up and like, yeah, we all on the same page and blah, blah, blah. Next day come, you know, shit, you back looking at world star watching niggas knock each other out and shit like that. You ain't out here fighting a good fight, you know, but you got them feelings out. So you feel better. You know what I'm saying? But we have to change these institutions. That's what it boils down to. This portion of Do Rags and Boat Shoes has been brought to you by the letter L, as in, hey, yo, my guy, my hands are full. Give me a hand here. Can you hold this L?
All right, so moving on to holding this L, you know who we have to give it to. The Golden State Warriors. God damn, that was a dumpster fire in the playoffs, wasn't it? Jesus. Um, so they lost Kevin Durant uh, to an injury, and then they lost Klay Thompson in the finals. And, uh, you know, uh, Stephen Curry and uh, Draymond Green could have stepped up to the plate. But they ran into them Toronto Raptors. And um, them Raptors spanked that ass 4-2. And, you know, what was crazy to me is uh, hearing Nick Nurse, the coach for the uh, Raptors, talk about how after they split the first two games, you know, up in Toronto, um, the uh, he was in the locker room talking to the guys because they won the first game, lost the second game in Toronto. And uh, Nick Nurse was like, you know, we just need to get one at Oracle and then we be back, you know, having home court advantage. And then he said Kawhi was like, fuck that. Let's get both of them. <laughs> he said, fuck that. Let's get them both. And I was like, yo, that is some G shit. And you know what they did? They went there and won them. Won it twice. All right. Then they come back to Toronto. Um, and what was that? They, uh, then it, because it goes 2 2 1 1 1. All right, so then they went to Toronto and then they lost, so that was 3 2. And then they went to Oracle and they just finished it off. Kawhi was out there balling, um, Serge Ibaka was out there balling, Pascal Siakam was out there balling. Just the whole Toronto team, like Kawhi had them just laser focused and they, they just rubbed off on them. And uh, man, it was kind of bittersweet because you know, I'm a diehard, y'all know. Since, since uh, you know, but y'all know I'm a diehard Spurs fan. Go Spurs, go. But I wasn't even mad at Kawhi, you know, out there balling because he could have just easily went up to Toronto and just, you know, bullshitted and was like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to just wait to this to the end of the uh, summer, you know, for a free agency, you know, after the draft and go ahead and uh, pick what team I want to go to. But he was like, fuck it. You know, I'm just happy to be back. I'm a hoop. And I'm gonna give it all I got, and he did, and ended up bringing the bringing a chip to Toronto. That is crazy. That is wild to me. So now he has this ultimate decision of, okay, do I stay here or do I really go to the Clippers? Because he really want to go to L.A., but he don't want to play with LeBron, so he probably go to the Clippers. And um, what made me think that is because watching that parade. And he was telling the fans of Toronto, enjoy this moment right now, and blah, blah, blah. I was just like, oh, this nigga is gone. And he and then before, uh, when he first got there, they was asking him about it. And he was like, it's cool. It's just real cold. I'm like, that L.A. nigga, he, he do not want to deal with that. That Cali boy do not want to be dealing with them Toronto winters. But uh, that's just dope just to, you know, make the best out of a bad situation. Like, okay, I, I wanted to be traded and my team traded me out the country. Like, okay, your ass is going up to Canada, sir. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to Canada. Okay, I'm going to hit a game winner. In the, uh, <laughs> I'm going to hit a game winner to end the Series 7. And I'm going to beat the champs, the back-to-back -back champs. Okay, I'll show you. And I, that hurt. It cut deep, but... I was happy for Cuz, and he did that all with some goddamn new balances. And uh, he was just out there just picking them apart. Nobody could really D him up. Klay Thompson was trying nothing. And they, they have a, Toronto has a great team to beat, you know, Golden State. And they proved it because you had Pas Pas Pascal Siakam 
just balling, dropping mid-20s, dropping 30 here, you know, just killing Draymond. And then Draymond had to deal with that offensively and then had to deal defensively with them big bodies of Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol. Shit, they, he, they was wearing that man out, wearing him smooth the fuck out. They was wearing Donkey from Shrek out. So, anyway, I know this episode is getting damn long, so I'm going to have to cut this short. I had a lot more jokes about Golden State, but uh, tell me when to go. So, I'm going to go right now in Golden State. Y'all hold this L. You win. Perfect. All right, so moving on to Not All Heroes Wear Capes. Uh, we have to uh, shout out to um, Bushwick Bill. He passed not too long ago, a few days ago. Uh, so rest in peace to that brother from the Ghetto Boys. Um, he's known for his iconic verse on, uh, you know, mind playing tricks on me. Um, so may that brother rest in peace. And also um, rest in peace to the homie Mike from uh, Champagne Sharks. Um, just got word that he passed. Uh, he was fighting cancer. Um, it was, uh, a brilliant brother, great insight. Always brought something to the show. Um, so just shout out to um, Mike. Hopefully, you know I know he's in a better place. Um, it's some sad, tragic news. Um, you know, just getting word from off of the Champagne Sharks uh, Reddit page. Um, and uh, that's a great podcast. Hopefully, y'all listening to that. If y'all fuck with Durags and Boat Shoes, I was on there. Um, so make sure y'all fuck with them brothers over there. Um, but man, it's just, man, the good die young, man. That's just some bullshit. You know, I know he was fighting cancer and shit like that. I thought he beat it and, you know, and shit like that. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, may that brother rest easy and rest in peace and, you know, rest in power. Um, and then also, um, we have to give it to uh, the brother uh, Dan Goodwin Sr., you know, from Goodwin's Barbershop, Black Omaha, a staple in Black Omaha. On uh, a few days ago, a couple days ago, he got, um, you know, part of the Deuce named after him. You know, uh, he got part of the uh, the Deuce foe by his barbershop um, named after him. It's like uh, Dan uh, Goodwin Sr. Drive or something like that. Let me pull it up. Street. I'm sorry. Not Drive. The Street. Um, right off of uh, the Deuce Foe, right by his barber shop, and I didn't know that the brother was, you know, I knew it was a staple, but for me, when I had hair, <laughs> I always got my hair cut up at uh, Sammy D's, and then um, rest in peace to Sammy D, and um, at uh, Big Gems across the street, uh, Maul used to always hook me up, but then Maul, he went over to uh, Sammy D's now, he over there cutting right there now, but I'm bald. So ain't really no reason I'm growing my beard out now because I miss, you know, shooting the shit at barbershops. But getting back to 87-year-old uh, Dan Goodwin Sr., uh, this brother, he done a lot. You know, his shop is over there off of 24th and Spencer off the Deuce phone. And, uh, you know, besides being a barber, he was an activist, a veteran. I didn't know he was a veteran. A uh, businessman. Um, man, he just, he did a lot. He did a lot, um, and people was calling his uh, barbershop the Black City Hall, like Omaha's uh, Black City Hall, and um, they were talking about, like, back in the day uh, when black folks was having, you know, trouble getting loans from banks and stuff like that, uh, you know, Dan would uh, go ahead and give customers and neighbors uh, loans, you know, for their rent, food, to start up even business, car payments, and shit like that, 
Um, and then I didn't know this, Ernie Chambers, uh, the longest serving state legislator, Ernie Chambers being there with them goddamn sweatshirt t-shirts. Uh, that's where he got his started. He was cutting hair in Goodwins. And then uh, the shop became campaign headquarters for Chambers, uh, you know, to make that run in the Nebraska legislature, in the state legislature. That's dope. And then um, he was uh, part of the civil rights era here in Black Omaha, you know, advocating for better conditions. Um, you know, he attended the March on Washington in 63. He brought uh, Malcolm X here in 64. And then in 69, during the 69 riots uh, here, you know, when that officer shot um, uh, Vivian Strong, the 14-year-old black girl in the back of the head, you know, um, you know, people, a lot of people joined at that barber shop, you know, as far as, you know, what they need to do, you know, to uh, combat police brutality and shit like that. And Goodwin and Chambers actually got arrested because they went on the radio speaking against uh, police brutality and that shooting. So, uh, man, good, that brother Goodwin did a lot. And he joined the Navy at 17 and then he was actually got his barber training through the GI Bill. And it said in his article on uh, Omaha.com, it was talking about an Omaha OPS public schools, you know, administrator tried to discourage him from going back to tech high school for the training. But, he, you know, he's like, fuck you, fuck that. I'm going to go ahead and open up this barber shop. So, man, he opened up his shop back in 1955 because he's 87 years old. So nothing but love and respect to, uh, you know, Dan Goodwin Sr., cut my hair a few times on the deuce foe but like i said growing up I always got my hair cut you know up 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 on uh up on 40th and ames up at sammy d's that was just always the spot sammy always had me you know nice crisp lines and things like that but you know uh dan did his thing too down there and i didn't you know i learned a little bit of black omaha history you know reading this article and doing a little bit more research on facebook posts and shit like that so you know, shout out to that brother, uh, Dan Goodwin Sr. And then, uh, you know, rest in peace to Bushwick Bill and rest in, rest in peace uh, and rest in power to our brother Mike, you know, from Champagne Sharks. who was out here fighting a good fight and, um, you know, challenging racism, white supremacy. So nothing but love and respect, you know, to all three of these uh, men. All right. So moving on to the last segment of the show, health over wealth. You know what I say? Without your health, you cannot enjoy your wealth. So this quote, I see it a lot and it pertains to this whole reparations debate, um, the struggles that um, black folks are facing. Um, this is where this quote comes in very fitting. All right. So I want you all to really pay attention to what I've seen it a lot being posted on Instagram. And um, I know that the uh, the folks with the non-able body people, I ain't going to say people with disabilities, they kind of use this, but they use like the first part of this quote. Um, but there's an additional part added on, and I feel like it's very fitting for uh, black Americans. Um, it says, nothing about us without us is for us. And I'm going to say it again. So nothing about us without us is for us. All right. Nothing about us without us is for us. Hopefully that makes sense to you guys. So nothing about us without us. So like these reparations policies and you look at this commission and everybody on that board don't look like you. you don't look like your black ass. 
it's, you know, nothing about us without us is for us, okay? So that just means stop letting folks define you and make your path for you because there's always a, an agenda when that happens. And that agenda means to harm you or you end up getting the, you know, the, uh, the smallest piece of the pie or the short end of the stick. That's what that means. All right, let's go back and look at that 94 crime bill. And they was just trying to say that crackhead gangbangers was out here killing old old men and robbing old women and shit like that. And you see how they just pretty much came up with more convict leasing. You know what I'm saying? They hoodwinked black, so-called black leaders to co-sign this bill so it wouldn't look racist, right? And now today, you got all these people coming out talking about, oh, I regret the crime bill. I regret doing this, that, and the third. And it led to, you know, hundreds of thousands of black men being incarcerated. And many of them brothers going to die in there. All right, so I'm going to say that quote again. Nothing about us without us is for us. All right? So y'all keep that in mind. Keep fighting a good fight. Keep talking about reparations. And like I said, do not don't give a fuck about non-blacks being uncomfortable about that that's fine that's a-okay okay because okay? we've been living in an uncomfortable situation since we came out the womb and since our ancestors landed up on them shores in 1619 forcefully all right even though our ancestors circumnavigated the globe hundreds of years before but anyways, this has been episode 158 of Do-Rags and Boat Shoes. Nothing but love and respect to all y'all out there. I will see y'all next week. One.